So may I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so I'm just going to, I will talk about the care of creation, um, but I'm quite a good procrastinator, actually. Um, I've always been good at procrastinating. Uh, so when I had homework at school to do, I would spend more time creating the cover page uh, than I would actually doing the project. Anyone else like that? Uh, you know, I'll tidy my room, I'll do those things. So just hearing that reading from Matthew, which um, is not so much about creation, I just want to uh, clarify something, because verse 20 is the verse that is so often quoted uh, in the life of the church. And if you're not used to the life of the church, then just laugh along. This is going to be funny. Um, but it's, thank you, it's so often quoted, um, it's so often quoted, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. Um, and we tend to say that when we run an event or, or a prayer meeting and people don't show up. And we tend to say, well, it says in the Bible, where two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst. So it's okay, where two or three are gathered. Um, actually, uh, that passage, the context of it is around church discipline. Uh, what do you do if a man's had an affair? And how do you start dealing with the repercussions of that? And what does that look like in the church? And so where two or three are gathered, says the passage, uh, the church has the authority to, um, to, to make a decision on, um, on the unfaithfulness. That's actually what the passage is about. It is not about people didn't show up for worship today. So let's just say where two or three are gathered. So um, I just wanted to mention that because... Um, Anglicans love saying where two or three are gathered, because often we have things and not a lot of people come. Uh, so, we can discuss that more at coffee. And if you wonder when coffee happens, as well as Sundays, coffee happens on Tuesday at 9.15 after uh, the, the prayer, or this week it will be communion. So, if you have theological questions and you want to rack my brain, um, then, then come on Tuesday. Um, so, just wanted to mention that. Um, I hope that was useful. And uh, I better get on with it now. But I'm still trying to avoid it. Actually, I really don't want to preach on this subject, the care for creation. Uh, and the reason I don't want to preach on it is because it is difficult. Because uh, you read the news. You've seen the wildfires. Uh, you know that we're experiencing something of change in weather systems and climate in the world. Uh, and wherever you are on, on the science of climate change or not, uh, we have seen an increasing number of extreme weather things happening uh, in these last few years. Uh, and so in the worldwide church, of which the Anglican church is a part, there is a move to, um, to spend some time in September um, thinking about creation. Um, and, and they're calling it the season of creation. Um, and it really is to think about uh, the planet and how we care for it. This ties in with, uh, with the agricultural year. Um, those of you who are gardeners uh, will, will be preparing for harvest. Uh, some of you have zucchinis coming out of your ears, I know. Um, feel free if you've got additional produce, bring it to church on Sunday um, and, and put a sign saying free and let people take it. Um, I'll say that for now. If we get too many zucchinis, we might have to rein that one in. Um, but anyhow, um, so this is that season of harvest, and so in the church, it's good to think about creation. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, says Genesis 1.1. The world we live in, however it happened, that's the story for another day, is 
God's creation. Uh, and we jump through the reading. It's a long one to just get to the, uh, to the punchline. Um, so if you want to read the whole thing, uh, it's there in Genesis 1. And God created mankind in his own image, verse 27. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In all of God's creation, we're the ones who are created in the image of God. And in the image doesn't mean we look exactly like God. Um, some of you here have beards. Um, I'm not going to get you to put your hand up, but people around you can see you and identify them. Um, it, and, uh, and there is a perception that has gone on for years that God is an old man with a beard. And you might be thinking, well, it's all right for me. I've got my beard, and therefore I am in the image of God. That is not what the Bible means when it talks about uh, the image of God. Um, in fact, I was accused once of not being a very good Christian. Um, I mean, I've been accused of that many times. But on one particular occasion, uh, somebody said to me, um, David, you're a Christian. Why don't you have a beard? Because Jesus had a beard. And so you should have a beard to look exactly like Jesus. Um, and I came out with some clever answer like, it's not about what's on your face. It's about what's in your heart that counts. Ooh. Then there was silence. So being created in the image of God doesn't mean that uh, A, God is not an old man with a beard, and B, that we need to be old men with beards. So with that out of the way, we are created in God's image. He's given us a particular uh, purpose and status in the whole of creation. And so in making us like himself, God then says, verse 28, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and here's the problem, a verse, subdue it. Subdue it. And in years past, that's been translated, have dominion. Have dominion. And we've taken dominion to mean domination and destruction, just as we take subdue to mean kind of crush and destroy in some ways. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And we've done, as humankind through history, um, I think, a fairly terrible job of this. We've done a fairly terrible job of it. Um, I hope that's not too controversial. I don't want to be too political. I never want to be too political. Uh, but we've done a fairly terrible job. Uh, you only have to go to a zoo and see, um, uh, see the animals, and they'll have signs there. I went to a zoo in the summer um, and, and saw um, the, the signs will talk about the, the conservation effort that's going on for various animals around the world. And they'll have kind of five degrees of um, these things are everywhere to they're pretty much extinct or almost extinct. And it is scary to see how many... Uh, species through the way, in many cases, humankind has um, overfished and overhunted, um, how many species are really close to extinction. Some of them are only living in captivity, and you can't find them in the wild anymore. And so, have we filled the earth and subdued it? Yes. And in many cases, I think we are aware that we've not done the best job of filling the earth and subduing it. And I think when we see that word subdue, 
Uh, it's not meant to mean subdue in the sense of, you know, sit down and shut up, kind of subdue. Uh, it's meant to be take care of. Uh, a better word would be to have stewardship of. Uh, and sometimes we use the word stewardship and we talk about money. So if your heckles have gone up now and like, is he talking about money? No, no. Uh, stewardship means um, taking care of what we have. Sustainability is looking after uh, what we have um, today so that it will still be there tomorrow. And the reason I don't really want to preach on this stuff, but I know it's important, the reason I don't really want to is because I don't have any answers. Uh, typically, in most sermons, I could stand here and say, here are the things you should do if you want to know more of God in your life. You know, you read the Bible, you pray, you come to worship. Easy to say, perhaps hard to do, but that's, that's the, the essence of it. But what do we say uh, when it comes to caring for creation? How can we, the hundred of us gathered today, make a difference in the life of the world? Um, I, I think I've told this story before, um, probably on the same subject, but I remember um, the first ever time I went on an aeroplane, um, and it was an old plane. Um, did someone just say what kind of plane it was? Uh, I think it was an MD-11. Uh, I thought I heard somebody ask. Uh, so it was an old plane. Um, it was a Delta plane, and I was going to Peru via Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm sure somebody wanted to know what plane it was. Um, so, uh, so I'm on this MD-11, and, um, and the, the staff were, and this was a few years ago now. I want to say it was 2002, because um, I'm that old. Um, and uh, the staff were meticulous about collecting all the things in uh, once they'd done their service. So they came through with the drinks, um, and I had some kind of, probably Sprite, because I, I never drink Sprite ever. It's terrible for you. It's terrible for your teeth. But on a plane, I'm like, ooh. Do you have Sprite? I don't know what it is. It's something about being in the air. I want the, the sugar and the, and the um, phosphoric acid, maybe. Uh, so, so I'd have my Sprite, and, and they were collecting all the things back meticulously. And in their magazine, because they used to have magazines on planes in, planes in those days, um, telling you, you know, things about planes and where they flew, uh, in their magazine, they had this whole thing about how, um, how they wanted to be a, a sustainable airline, and, um, and they wanted to... Um, do their bit for looking after the planet. Now, any of you that know anything about planes know that an MD-11 um, is, uh, is not the um, most environmentally friendly aircraft. Uh, a 787 Dreamliner that Boeing have brought out since, uh, much lighter, much more efficient, the Airbus A350, uh, etc. But we're talking about, um, is that too much detail? Uh, we're talking about a really old plane uh, polluting the atmosphere, and yet the crew are so determined that they are going to make sure that every single mini, because they are small, aren't they, mini plastic glasses are all going to be carefully collected and recycled once they land in Atlanta. Every single can is not going to be, be crushed and put in the, in the compactor. It's going to be carefully collected and put in the trays so that it will be recycled. Because the truth is, the crew on the plane can't do very much about the kerosene that's being burned, the jet fuel that's coming out the back. But what they can do, they can make sure that everything that is within their control 
they can control. And so they can make sure that every single plastic cup and aluminum can is saved for recycling. And so I think, um, I tell that story because I think that we can feel powerless when we look at a world, when we see a news article like the one that came out this weekend, uh, scientists saying that um, 2023 was the hottest year in the world ever, since they started recording these things in the 1800s, um, but the hottest year. Um, and do you know, here's a quiz, when's the second hottest year? Someone said last year. Yes, it was last year, 2022. Um, I haven't learned the rest of the list, but yeah. So this year was the hottest, last year was the second hottest ever recorded. And we see that and think, what can we do? With Genesis 1 saying we need to look after the world and care for creation, what we can do is we can do our bit. And our bit, um, I want to suggest, is not just recycling, although it's good to recycle if we have used stuff. Should I say something controversial? Ending the use of plastic straws is not going to save the planet. Uh, stopping buying, stopping uh, grocery stores having plastic bags is not going to save the planet. Um, you know, we, we used to get the plastic bags from the grocery stores and put them in our garbage bins, and now we have to go and buy plastic bags to put in our garbage bins because we... It's not necessarily going to save the planet. But the rethinking of creation, of the world, as God's, and saying, how as Christians can we play our part in that? We have influence. If you're in a workplace, if you're in a union, if you have a pension, you have influence. How can we use our influence? And that might be just offering to recycle in the staff kitchen if you have one at work. I'll take those things home and recycle them. It might be maybe you, you, you're in a workplace where people are always using paper cups. Maybe you could convince them to switch to using mugs. Here at church, we use mugs, uh, and they do need washing up, but they don't need to be um, repurchased all the time. They don't need to be thrown away. We've hardly any garbage going out because we're reusing a mug all the time. We clean them well, just in case you're worried, before you have coffee. Um, but maybe you can use that influence. Maybe you can write a letter. You can write a letter to whoever it is that manages your pension fund, uh, if you have one. Uh, whoever's looking after your pension, and, and ask them what steps are they taking to make sure that the investments are sustainable. Because we're not going to change the world one plastic straw at a time. But we do need to do everything we can do. Because God said, you people, in my image, need to look after my creation. God saw, verse 31, all that he had made, and it was very good. Creation is for us to enjoy as a gift. And somehow, we have to tread lightly, so all we leave is footprints on the trail, not destruction in the forest. 
So the action point, if you need one, what's the one thing you could do? Maybe it is a letter. Maybe it is in your workplace where you can suggest if they're not recycling anything, they start recycling. Maybe it's um, changing your perspective on what you use in your home. And one thing will lead to another and lead to another. The airlines have improved. They're not just flying old MD-11s across the Atlantic anymore. They've got some new planes. They're much more fuel efficient. Uh, they're made of carbon fiber, so they're lighter. They're, you know, all those things. And so uh, things are changing. But we all know they're not changing fast enough. Um, I'm going to finish with a prayer, and afterwards we're going to have our um, uh, time of prayer response. Um, and I'm not necessarily expecting that you're going to want to come forward for prayer to save the planet. Um, but I'm just aware as we come back after summer, or some people have, have been at church for the first time now in a while, maybe there's just stuff you want to lay down. Uh, so we're going to have to have, we'll have some people at the front. Um, we will have some music playing. We'll have two songs, so it's not going to go on forever. So don't sit there and think, well, I'm going to go in the third song. There's not a third song. There's two. Uh, and, then, um, and then maybe you'd like to just come forward and have, have one of us pray for you, whatever it is. Maybe it's a prayer for healing. Maybe it's a sense of, of burden you need to lay down and just need to, to share with someone. Um, maybe you are uh, just at the start of a new school year or time at work. Uh, maybe it's that, and you just want to pray for peace or, uh, or, or boldness. I don't know. Uh, so there'll be some people at the front um, who would love to pray with you. Um, and then uh, while that's happening, we're going to stand and sing a couple of songs um, that speak of God's um, God being over all creation. But um, I'm just going to pray now. Um, so I invite you just to close your eyes as I pray. Lord... As we look at creation and give thanks for the world that you have made, we pray for all those who are suffering with the effects of fire, famine, and flood. We pray for all who are working to help make our world a more sustainable place. Lord, and we ask you in the silence, what is the one thing you would have each of us do this week to play our part in caring for your creation? Would you open our hearts and minds to what you are calling us to do? In Jesus' name, amen. So I invite you to stand 